What's up, guys? It's your boy Fenyo. This is the Early Print Podcast. Coming at you on Tuesday. Uh, as you know, this is pay-per-view week. I've been working very hard on the full preview. That's hopefully coming out like later today or tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll try very hard to not release the full preview on Thursday. I think that's too late for you guys to enjoy that podcast. Uh, so we're here to talk about uh, the last uh, UFC event. That it was uh, Gutierrez versus Song Yedong. I don't even have my tabs ready. This is a, you know, the, the early prints on pay-per-view week is always a mess. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll check a bit of that. Then we'll see if there's any fight announcements. And I talk a little bit about the about the pay-per-view, even though obviously there's the full preview for that. But let's get into a Song versus Guti uh, main event, obviously. Song Yadong versus Chris Gutierrez. Uh, on the preview, I said Chris Gutierrez, leg kicker, mover. Uh, I thought he could struggle with Song Yadong, but he also brought some interesting stuff to the table, especially because Song Yadong is not very good at pressuring. I think that read was uh, all right. So the fight begins, and both guys like uh, trying to figure each other out. Uh, Song having a lot more success uh, exchanging leg kicks early. Uh, with Gutierrez than I was expecting. Uh, I think he was doing a good defensive job. He was landing hard leg kicks of his own. Uh, I think uh, first round was like very nothing happening. Both guys like feigning a lot, missing a lot. But I, I thought Song uh, stole the round with with some leg kicks. Uh, I think around the, the three or four minute mark. Second round comes and Gutierrez starts to get going a little bit. Uh, the feints... Uh, he starts to figuring out the range. He's uh, making Sonia Dong miss a lot. So, so yeah, Gutierrez not really committing super hard, but he landed some nice body kicks, some nice leg kicks. Um, he had, but I thought it was on the third round or second round, like a nice front kick to the face. But yeah, Gutierrez was starting to get going a little bit, and you can tell that his uh, out fighting style was a bit frustrating for Song that doesn't have a lot of tools to pressure people. Song Yadon likes to get into exchanges a lot, but he doesn't have a lot of tools to generate exchanges. So he he relies a lot on his like fundamentals to stay safe, um, to keep on the on people faces until uh, those exchanges happen. Uh, end of the second round, uh, Song Yadon gets a takedown. Uh, pretty poor reaction by Gutierrez defending, to be honest. And Gutierrez did not match from his back, but I thought Gutierrez won the second round, to be honest. I thought he did more damage on the feet, even though Song was on top for like a whole minute. But still, like, things were looking good, and then Gutierrez, uh, in my opinion, he started to, like, drift apart from the fight. Uh, I don't know if he has, like, troubles focusing or is the anxiety, but there's something going on with Chris Gutierrez because... And this is not me defending Gutierrez because I like him. Uh, I'm a big Gutierrez fan uh, and I was not expecting him to win this fight, to be quite honest. Uh, I always said I was favoring Song to win here, just for the side matchup. And I think, uh, but I think it's it was very clear that Gutierrez was having trouble like pulling the trigger. He, um, a lot of people say, oh, this guy has no boxing. Actually, Gutierrez has like perfectly fine hands. Like he's obviously not a boxer, but he has like a good jab, uh, can put the one-two together, uh, left hook, uppercut. Obviously, he's not going in there and winning like pocket exchanges against Song Yedong, but he needed to put the hands together here to be more successful. But the thing is that 
the takedown started I don't I don't know if it was the takedowns or what but he started like drifting apart from the fight you can tell that he was like like not committing hard to any strike, uh, very committed to being defensive, to circle out. He was still missing Sonya Dong miss a lot, but he was not like getting much uh, going on. And then he uh, ended up conceding more takedowns. Uh, he was like chatting with a guy outside that was uh, was a whole deal. Uh, he was complaining to Sheriff Dean about like shots to the back of the head on the ground. He was like not focused at all, and you could tell on on the corner when he was talking to to his coach that he was not in there like mentally. Uh, so he drifted out, and he like default to to just be safe and to not take a lot of damage. I think like he was like, okay, I'm gonna lose this one. I I I will just try to not get knocked out or something. Uh, especially the fifth round when he goes for like for like, um, for like an inama inamari roll. A pretty bad one, and Sonia Dong uh, ends the whole fight on top. I mean, the whole round. And Sonia Dong got better with the ground pound to his credit. Gutierrez was trying to play guard a little bit at times, but Gutier uh, but Song was very heavy from top position. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, Sonia Dong looked spectacular here, but at the same time, I don't blame him. It's very hard to to fight against these kind of guys that shut down. Uh, we've seen a lot in the past, I've talked many times about how uh, Uriah Favor would like resign to lose a decision and he would get like very hard to to hurt because he, he would refuse like to engage. He would just like faint and move on the outside pretty much the same as Gutierrez did here despite their styles being so different. Uh, but if you see like a Frankie Edgar versus uh, Uriah Favor, you can tell like from round three, Uriah Favor is like, okay, I'm I'm losing this shit. I uh, I'm not seeing how I'm winning, so I I just sit back and like lose a decision. And I think we saw kind of that thing here, but Gutierrez, um, like just getting inside his head. Um, I was commenting on on Twitter how. Because Gutierrez and Martinez uh, came to the UFC like at the same time, and they are like training partners. Obviously, they always in each other each other corner, um, and they have like kind of similar style. Martinez a lot more of a pressuring guy, uh, and obviously a southpaw. Uh, and Gutierrez a switch guy, but that likes to fight on the outside. And I think like from a technique standpoint, <clears throat> excuse me. From a technique standpoint, when when they get going, I think like Gutierrez has this more thoughtful game about him. You can tell that he puts a lot of these different feints together. He manipulates rhythm and the initiative of the fight uh, with his movement, with his feints, uh, setting up like uh, a good range. I think he's a guy that puts a lot of thought into his fighting style, and that can play against him. On the other hand, like Martinez is also a, a thoughtful fighter. I'm not saying he's like uh, this brute, but but you can tell Martinez is a lot more like more like put output hard output out there to make people respect him. And and I don't think it's a thing of power. I mean, obviously Martinez probably a bigger kicker than Goody, but Goody is a big kicker like he landed one one body kick on Song Yatong and he had his body like red hot immediately and we've seen the the TKOs with leg kicks by Gutierrez he hurts people all the time with kicks so I don't think it's a problem of power we've seen Gutierrez put people like 
out with big movements like oh, the, the Dan Abbott Carroll or the Frank Edgar fights. So I don't think it's a thing of like Martinez like necessarily being more more like a better athlete. I think they are very comparable. If you saw this fight, like, yeah, Song Yadong was probably stronger and like more powerful than Gutierrez, but Gutierrez looked very fast in there with Song Yadong, who is like one of the best athletes of the division. So I don't think it's uh, like an athletic ceiling for Gutierrez. It's wholly uh, a mental thing, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, I'm not talking a lot about Gutierrez because I like him. And uh, there's not much to say about Song here, like, he did like what he usually does and what he had to do, as I said, uh, it was not an easy fight to look good for Song Yadong. It's a, it's a style that doesn't lend itself for a good Song Yadong fight. And also, uh, Gutierrez shutting down made, made it harder for Song Yadong. Like fighters, when they shut down, uh, sometimes they implode in different ways. For example, Ricky Simon uh, made Song Yadong look great once he started losing confidence. Like. Because he doesn't have the defensive tools on the outside, uh, he tried to force the takedowns with bad shots that make Song Yadong look like an even better athlete than he, than he is. Uh, people came out of that fight thinking like, oh, Song Yadong is twice the athlete that Ricky Simone is, and I think that's the wrong read to take out of, the, of that fight. Like, Ricky Simone is a tremendous athlete, and you can see some of the takedowns that he completed in Song Yadong. Uh, he's a monster, but... When you take like a super bad shot against a guy that is like your equal athletically, you're gonna look very bad, like really. You're gonna look bad and Song Yadong, that team alpha male wrestling is showing up in his fights. Uh, maybe not in the, maybe not in the Corey Sanhagen fights, but you can tell like he can scramble, he's very powerful and strong. So yeah, coming back to Gutierrez and Martinez, I think Martinez is a lot more content to just put output out there and I think that plays really into his advantage because he he has to think less about what he does because he's doing more and the openings and the setups present themselves to Martinez while Gutierrez is trying to like craft every, every strike. I think it's a very taxing style uh, mentally and I think that's why Guti has like trouble focusing during fights. And obviously the, man, the, the anxiety and all that kind of stuff. Fighters deal differently with that kind of shit. Uh, Martinez himself, like a super like introverted, quiet guy. Uh, maybe he deals with anxiety, like just getting into the fight, like exchanging. You can tell like Martinez is like super tough. Uh, the the Said Nurmagomedov fight was very impressive, like from a mental standpoint, because he has that dog, man. And and Gutierrez has shown. Uh, some dog in the past, like the Cody Durden fight, where he got his back taken on the first round, and and then he came back to to show like super good like wrestling, uh, wrestling defense uh, tactics, anti wrestling tactics, uh, not allowing Durden to get on those takedowns and then putting the damage uh, on the Pedro Munoz fight, for example, like Goody like never got going, but he recovered very well from getting dropped. He got from underneath Pedro Munoz, that is a tremendous grappler. Uh, and then had a super close, like uh, second and third round that I thought he could have won. Uh, even though like from a scoring perspective, I think you can score for Gutierrez. I think it's kind of fair in a like a cosmic way that Pedro Munoz won that fight just because he was the one that won the only clear round of the fight.
But yeah, I mean, it sucks because uh, the perception of Chris Gutierrez like went to the hole for most people. Like now everyone thinks he's like this super boring guy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think he's still like a very interesting fighter. Uh, his ceiling, uh, I always thought it was like on the top 15, top 10 part. And, and I think for Martinez it's the same really. But yeah, I mean, the, the problem is that from here, uh, Gutierrez is probably going to get like super bad matchmaking. The UFC is probably want to punish him. And for Song, what's next? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, now that we have Figueredo in the division, I want Figueredo versus Yan. But Song Yadong versus Yan is also a very interesting fight. So does this fight make me think less of these guys? Uh, for Guti, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. Uh, I thought that he had a good style for five rounds, but sadly the mental side of things is not quite there to do that. Uh, for Song, um, I think like people are kind of disappointed that it was boring. Uh, I do not blame Song Yadong. I thought he looked good. Uh, the limitations that he had in this fight are limitations that have been uh, long-standing for him. But there, let's be honest, there's not a lot of like outfighters, like committed outfighters in the style of Gutierrez that are very frustrating to fight. Uh, maybe O'Malley when he gets on the outside, but O'Malley is like obviously like way more dangerous than Chris Gutierrez because he has like super dangerous uh, hands. Uh, he's a lot more active on setting up dangerous shots and that kind of stuff. But I think uh, O'Malley is not as good of a mover on the outside, not as frustrating. He's frustrating in the sense that he's like pot-shotting you with hard counters, but he's not like this, like making you miss and move on the outside kind of fighter. So uh, O'Malley would have to get into exchanges with Song Yedong. And, and I would favor O'Malley, to be honest, but for different reasons at this fight. Uh, I think Song Yedong needs like a title eliminator at this point. Um, or maybe like two more fights. Uh, maybe like... Now, winner of Mirab versus Sehudo is probably getting the title shot, right? Uh, Song Yadong a rematch against Corey Sanhagen doesn't make much sense. So... Yeah, it's probably the Yan fight. If they don't make Fioredo versus Yan, uh, they should make Yan versus Song Yadong. Uh, Co-main events are Khalil Roundtree versus Anthony Smith. Uh, this fight was supposed to be Roundtree versus Mursakhanov, uh, which was a very interesting fight. Uh, Anthony Smith filling in in short notice. Um, Anthony Smith did not look that bad in here. Uh, but I think uh, another case of a fight that not being like mentally there, but this is more like a career-wise thing. I think Anthony Smith uh, mentally is kind of done. Uh, Anthony Smith is not that bad. I mean, <laughs> he was pretty good at one moment. Like, he was never great. I I think uh, Anthony Smith is not a fighter that should have been, like, in top five title contention uh, space. He, he got there, like, beating all dudes. Uh, but, but I thought uh, Anthony Smith, at one point, he was, like, a perfectly fine fighter. But now the, the mental side is not quite really there. And he, he was always like kind of fragile mentally. He's a, a bit of a head case. And sometimes it's like it plays in his favor. But but in this fight, like Smith came with uh, his camp. They came with the right idea of pressuring Roundtree. Uh, using his length, uh, putting some volume out there. But he was not committing on, on staying on the face of Khalil Roundtree. And I understand why like Roundtree is a very scary dude. But that was like his only path to victory here. 
And yeah, Anthony Smith, you can tell he was not willing to put himself on the line constantly as he needed to make like Roundtree work, to, to make Roundtree tired, to make Roundtree give him the openings that he needed. I think at, at times Smith got a lot more success that he gets credit for in this fight, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough. Um, Roundtree here look alright. I understand that this is a very different matchup than what he was expecting originally. So I do not blame him for looking kind of mid here. And he got like the super violent finish that everyone wanted. So I cannot complain much about Khalil Roundtree. Um, I still think Khalil Roundtree is a bit shaky. I would not expect a lot from him, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, what's next for Roundtree? If Manifield were to beat Jacoby, we'll talk about that later. Um, I think that would be like one good fight. Or maybe like the loser of Ankalaev, Johnny Walker. Maybe get that Johnny Walker rematch going. Um, maybe Khalil would, could fill in for for Vlahovic since Rakish wanted to fight Jiri and Jiri said that he could fight him in like March, not February as, as Rakish is asking for. So I don't know, but but yeah, I mean, Khalil, I think it's a fighter that when he puts it together, he's more of a like top five material than Anthony Smith ever was. But uh, yeah, you gotta be careful getting your hopes up for Khalil Roundtree. This is a guy that lost to Johnny Walker, that lost to to Pragnio of all people, so <laughs> lost to a middleweight in Oleksandrzyk, so so yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful, but I'm not going all in on the Khalid Roundtree uh, train, I think he's still a flawed fighter, uh, but I think a lot of potential that could be fulfilled, maybe. Before that we saw Nasrat Hakparas uh, knockout Jamie Malarkey. I haven't rewatched this one and I do not remember how the finish came. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I I didn't watch the um, this event so thoroughly. But yeah, I think uh, this was one result that was always a probability. I think it would have been cool to see them like get into a more like like deeper fight. But Nasrak is like dangerous guy. He's very quick. And Molarki, Molarki's defense is like hit and miss. Like he has a lot of proactive head movement, but if you can time him right, like you can like just do it. So yeah, I mean, good for for Hakparas. Uh, probably a ranked opponent next if this wasn't it. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, Hakparas has been looking solid in his last two fights. I think he he's been putting it together and he's been improving, especially the the lead hand has been seeing a lot of improvement on us right obviously like a salpa that is very left hand heavy it's cool that he's developing especially during combinations the use of the right hand so i mean good stuff and hackparas is still young only 21 fights into his career so i'm hopeful about him uh before that we had timelio against sumaterji timelio just walked over sumaterji to be quite honest um yeah, and, and Tim Elliott filling in on Chernor is here for Alan Nascimento, a Nascimento that I was also picking to beat Sumaderji, but but yeah, I mean, people were super high on Sumaderji and they forget that uh, dude cannot really grapple. <laughs> so good, uh, Tim Elliott is insane longevity for this weight class. And he's still looking good, like 
he has also fight some to some high level dudes. Uh, you know, I even though I don't like him, I rate Mokayev uh, despite having like an, an annoying style. But yeah, yeah, good for Tim Elliott. What's next for Tim Elliott? I, he says he wants to take fights at one thirty five as well. I think he should just stay at flyweight. Uh, I think Tim Elliott has been very has been open lately about how his uh, title contention days are over. Uh, and I think that's like a fair assessment to have uh, about himself, but I think he still looks very good. He can have like competitive fights with basically anyone in the division. So, so yeah, Mia, if, if he wants to, to like keep testing like rising prospects, um, that's fine. Um, maybe Team Elliot versus Tyra that also got a win in this event. That would be dope. Andrew Muniz for Young uh, Young Park. Uh, most of the fight is Muniz taking the back of Union Park and getting my returns and uh, flowing with adjustment. Union Park doing a good job of fighting the hooks of Andrew Muniz from the back take, but Muniz uh, adapting and keeping the back. At the end of the first round, Union Park gets a reversal, gets to mount, lands super hard shots. I mean, that's an obvious Union Park round. Second round, Andrew Muniz gets to the back doesn't relinquish at any moment and not a lot of damage but that's a clear Muniz round and then in the third round uh, Union Park uh, once again gets the reversal doesn't get to a dominant position as the as dominant as on the first but he still does like clear the damage this was a clear win for the Iron Turtle and obviously the judges gave it to Muniz uh, I don't think that this kind of fight should should be rewarded I think that for for example the second round nothing much happened, uh, but it was like obvious. Emunis round he was controlling the whole uh, round, but when there's damage involved, even though it was that the duration of the of the periods of dominance by Junior Park were were short, I think the the rules are super clear about that. This was a Young Young Park a fight. This was a bad decision. For that, we uh, Kevin Jusset put on a very cool performance against Song Kenan. Uh, Kevin Jusset doing like the city kickboxing shit, like just like feigning with the rear hip a lot, uh, putting that together with the jab, uh, the straight right, and the leg kicks, the body kicks. Uh, Jusset also pretty strong in the clinch as he has a judo background. He was landing like nice uppercuts inside, trying to catch uh, Song Kenan with some elbows. Song Kenan also with some nice elbows. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, Kevin just said, cooked the, the leg of Song Kenan and then landed some good punches. He he looked pretty good. I, I like Kevin Jusset. Um He's one of the, immediately one of the most fun welterweights to watch right now. So yeah, I think he's top 15 material probably. Uh, Hilson Park, winner of the Road to UFC, fought Shannon Ross. Hilson uh, Park looked amazing here. Uh, he's a very, he's a finisher, man. Uh, he doesn't look like super dangerous during fight, but when he has a chance, be it with the submissions or strikes, he goes for the finish. Shannon uh, Ross, Shannon Ross is not bad, but he has some trouble. He's a bit on the old side, uh, despite not having like that many fights. This was his like 22nd fight. But he's small for flyweight and being small for flyweight is rough, man. Like, he's not small, like, short, like uh, Mighty Mouse, because Mighty Mouse is a thick dude. Shannon Ross is built as 5'6", I, I think, and that's completely bullshit. That's not true at all. And also, he's, like, he's not a big dude. He's probably, like, 
around 135, I'm guessing, because he looks very small in, inside the cage. And uh, Houston Park just holds him. Like Shannon Ross has some had some good success going to the body. He's lost some cool stuff. If you watch the fight that he lost in uh, Contender Series, he looked cool there. But he doesn't have the physicality and the size to compete against the the, the UFC level flyweights. Houston Park here looked like a, a UFC, like a legit UFC fighter. The finish was super cool uh, because uh, Hinson Park caught him with a with a cut kick, what I that I like to call. Um, so it's like the medium the the medium point between a roundhouse and a front kick. It's just like uh, from your stance you throw like up diagonal straight like a body kick upwards, not with a lot of like hip whip. So you just like snap it up, but it doesn't land like frontally. It lands in a like a ninety degrees angle. So yeah, I mean, he, uh, Channel Ross was going for a body jab, body jab exposes your body. Hilson Park catches him with that cut kick, hurts him. He realized that he hurts him. Uh, feints going forwards, very cool detail that Hilson Park sells very cool in these like finishing sequences. He reminds to feint something that we saw in Volkanovski versus Jair Rodriguez. So he feints, Channel Ross closes the distance, disengages, nails him with a nice body hook. Um, with a left hook to the body, straight to the liver, like very like rotational hook, like very nice technique on that body hook. And then he pushes forward, and then he puts like the one two and nails him with an uppercut to the body on the left side. That it's and it's like not a lot of fighters have like distinct like uppercuts and left hooks to the body in that kind of situation. Just most guys just have just have only one of the two, and they because they are somewhat. Uh, interchangeable in this context, but here for Houston Park it made sense to use these both different but similar punches in both because the, the left hook that he landed on the clinch break, very tight, compact, rotational, um, probably with the with his weight on the back foot, and then when he when Chan Ross is against the cage covering up, he lands this long uppercut but still digs in with the weight. Uh, very heavy in the front foot, so it was very cool to see. And obviously, I, I'm a sucker for body shots, so yeah, uh, I'll be watching next Hillsong Park fight. Uh, Shannon Ross, you might think he's getting caught after this, um, which is sad. Uh, I, I wish the guy could have gotten like one win, but the matchmaking was pretty brutal, to be honest. Very brutal. Steve Garcia for Melchizedek Costa. Melchizedek. Uh, I was expecting this one to be exciting, but Melchisa put on the wrestling shoes for some reason. And he was wrestling like super heavy during the first round. Uh, second round, Steve Garcia reverses the single leg. Very cool with a butterfly hook with kind of a switch. Uh, and then he just nails him and gets like a brutal, brutal finish. Uh, Steve Garcia kind of wild mechanics, but he hits very hard and he seems like kind of smart about his striking so, so yeah I mean I'm I mean for Garcia I mean not, not, not like a huge fan but he's like guaranteed action he's fun to watch and he seems to be getting better uh, the defensive grappling was was solid here like Melchizal was looking like a solid grappler in that first round but hey maybe that Maybe should have played the striking game. I, I don't know why he thought that Garcia was like this super wrestleable guy. 
uh, it was a curious game plan. Maybe um, Melky Mel was uh, injured. I don't know, to be honest, but it was weird to see him like become this uh, wrestler uh, and super committed to it. Like he was not interested in striking with Garcia. So yeah, good win for Garcia. Luana Santos versus Stephanie Egger. Uh, a lot of clinching and I was a bit surprised that Santos won more, most of the clinching because Eger has a judo background other than that it was pretty boring. Tatsuro Taira looked very good against Carlos Hernandez. A uh, couple of uh, cool scrambles here. Uh, Taira had a, a nice uh, deep half uh, sweep at one moment and Hernandez also like showed good scrambling ability here. Uh, but then Taira caught him on the feet so Good development for Tyra. Uh, very excited for Tyra moving forward. Please give him like someone, uh, like not even like top 15, give him like the top 10. This guy deserves it. Uh, give him Team Elliot or give him someone like upper up in the ranks. I want to see Tyra against someone good. Uh, thoughts about Tyra versus uh, Mokayev? Uh, a lot of people are saying like, oh, both are too young. I don't care, man. Like, make that fight. If you want to make that fight, make that fight. It, it should, it would be like super cool to to see both guys like meeting their equal in the grappling department and see who comes out on top. It would, I would be super interested about it. Another opening fight, we, uh, we have Talita Alensar against uh, Rayane Amanda. I thought Amanda won this fight, like super clear, the one on the third round, even maybe the second, to be honest. Uh, Amanda was looking great on the first round. I think she got tired, but Alencar was super tired too. Uh, Amanda took like a two minute break on the second round doing nothing. And then Talita got aggressive in the last part of the second round. So I guess she stole that round. But then on the third round, I do not see how Alencar is winning this. Um, Amanda had very low output, but she was landing the damaging shots for sure. This is just a straight up judges not following the criteria, which is like super disappointing to see. Uh, twice in the card, actually, I. But some people were saying that, like, oh, it's on Young Young Park. It's his fault to get in control. No, it's like we have judging criteria for a reason, and judges are not following it. So I think these are like both these fights, um, the the Alenka versus Amanda and the Park versus Muniz fight, are very bad decisions that are concerning moving forwards because. Uh, I think the the quality of decisions have gotten a lot better when it comes to this like grappler with no damage against a striker that gets a few moments of actual damage. Uh, I've I thought we we have seen an improvement in that area, and then we see a, a regression here in this event. So that's sad to see. Not because I'm I'm biased for strikers. I'm just biased for damage because it is a fight. But I mean the event was all right. Uh, obviously, the the main event was not super exciting, and and obviously it hurts the reputation of Bantamweight that has this like super exciting division. But sometimes stuff happens. Uh, I hope Gutierrez can bounce back from this. Uh, but I'm expecting, to be honest, the the UFC to be very cruel with the matchmaking to my boy Guti from here onwards. You know the the UFC resents uh, the boring main events, and uh, for some. As I said, hopefully the young fight, that would be very exciting. And if Sehudo versus uh, Merab doesn't happen for whatever reason, I'm all for Song versus Merab. So let's check some fight announcements. Taitu Ibasa is fighting Marcin Taibura at UFC 298. 
this is good matchmaking. Uh, I don't think it is a watch for either side. Uh, Taibura probably looking to grapple here, but Taitrivasa is like a bad wrestler, but he's like a heavy, strong dude, so he's not super easy to take to the ground. And Taibasa uh, is pretty competent in the clinch, so it's interesting to see how this plays out. Um, Taibura obviously brings the pace, the wrestling, he's funky, and Taibasa big power, kind of clever, despite being super super limited. So yeah, I think this is a good fight. For heavyweight, this is very decent. Uh, and I think it's good matchmaking. It's not like super clear for either side. So I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I mentioned this already, basically, but yeah, Merab uh, is fighting Henry Cejudo, uh, UFC 288, uh, 298, sorry. Very cool fight, very, very cool fight. Interesting to see how Cejudo will deal with Merab. Um, I think Merab will will for sure try to wrestle Sahudo. he's not going to give a fuck about the the credentials, to be honest, and especially after seeing the the success that his teammate uh, Aljo had. Uh, this is an interesting fight, I, I would have to watch tape, but I think uh, Sehudo, uh wrestling matches up better with Mirab than with Aljo, especially Aljo being this lanky and very like cage-based uh, I mean, Rob, to his credit, is also like wrestles a lot against the cage, but I think Sehudo might have a better a better time defending the takedowns of Jolish uh, Billy, and also like uh, uh, Sterling wasn't like watching Sehudo uh, in the wrestling department. It was a lot of stalling, a lot of 50-50 positions. So, so I think it's the the more interesting part is how Sehudo deals with the with the pace of Mirab. Especially because Sehudo's cardio didn't look that great against Aljo, but maybe this only being like three rounds and this being like his second fight back, uh, maybe he shows up in better shape you know, with a little bit, bit less of ring rust. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, it's a good fight. Uh, and I doubt it's going, to, it's going to be boring unless like Mirab super takes over late. And uh, maybe there it gets kind of lame, but Mirab, to his credit, he's been getting a lot more damaging. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for this one. I'm feeling like Mirab is going to take it, to be honest. What's next? Renato Moicano is fighting Drew Dober. Very cool fight. Um, so yeah, we'll see if Moicano can get a takedown here. Uh, obviously, he he's a very cool, uh, very good striker, so he can strike f with Dover for sure. But I would have to favor Dover if the fight stays on the feet, uh, because the salt power and the huge power that Dover carries and, he, and the pressure, man. Uh, I don't think uh, Dover is not super easy to get the jab and leg kick game going on, especially in open space, uh, in open stances. Moicano is decent at fighting open stances fighter, but fighters. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm favoring Dover, especially on the feet. If Moicano can somehow get takedowns, which is not impossible, he's very strong from the body lock. Uh, I think a, a rear naked choke by Moicano is not is not impossible. A super good fight, super good. Ode Osborne is fighting Jafel Filio. Very good fight for flyweight as well. Um, so yeah, I mean. Good fight. Uh, obviously, like Filio throws very hard, but Ode is looking to have like a big striking advantage here. So it would be interesting to see if Filio can take this one to the ground. Filio is a very good grappler. I was expecting him to have 
a big advantage over Osborne in there. But Osborne not not a guy that gets like wrestled. He he has been losing on the feet the, the few times that he lost, but but yeah, Filio probably like the best grappler that he will he will fight. Filio like not like a super layered uh, take the artist, but he throws very hard, uh, especially with the kicks. He's very aggressive. Uh, I think uh, Filio is Nova Uniao guy, and and yeah, I mean if he can get a clean takedown uh, he, or he can latch to your back, it can get like very complicated for Osborne. So it's a it's a very cool fight. Danige is fighting Leron Murphy. This one is a big fight for featherweight. Uh, finally, Leron Murphy gets his chance to stop to the elite of the division as Ige is working as this sort of gatekeeper to the elite. Uh, I think Murphy has some clear some clear technical advantages, but Ige is tricky. He's super well rounded. He's dangerous, more dangerous than Leron, I would say. And Murphy has had lapses. He has been hurt here and there. And Ige brings big danger here. And also, also it will be a test to the cardio of Leron Murphy. We've seen Murphy had some sketchy, like, close-ish fights. So we'll see. Um, it's very, very good fight. Very excited about this one. Caitlin Shukagian is fighting Macy Barber. Barber, after looking great against uh, Amanda Hivas. Uh, so this is like also like her ticket to the lead of the division. You know, Shukagian has been, to her credit, very, very hard to beat. Like, like no one, like other than the Andrade fight and uh, obviously the Valentina, where she had nothing for Valentina. But other than that, like Shukagian wins every fight. Uh, she lost that fight to Fiorot, but but that was super close. Like, even like you could score that for Chukagian, to be honest. So if Barber wins this one like convincingly, that would be very impressive. You gotta consider that Chukagian getting kind of the old side and a long career, especially a lot of UFC camps under her belt. So, so the the possibility that she's starting to slow down is not out of question. But yeah, I mean, she has a tricky style and Barber will have to to show some good skills to win this fight. So if Barber wins this one, that would be very impressive, to be honest. And finally, Daniel Marcos is fighting Aurishi Lang uh, February 10th. And not much to say about this one. Should be very exciting, though. Like, some people are kind of mad that Daniel Marcos had, like, a boring fight with David Grant, and a boring David Grant fight sounds, like, inconceivable, but... But I think Marcos will bounce back with a better performance here uh, against Aurishi Lang, who is, like, very aggressive himself and and not as tricky to fight as as David Grant, so should be a good scrap. And those are the, the, the announcements. Uh, why don't... Why don't we, like... Take a quick look at the at the pay-per-view before leaving. So yeah, this Saturday UFC 296 is Edwards the champion versus Covington. We have a very stacked card to be honest. Uh, opening we have welterweight action be uh, between Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov, the king of, the king of kung fu. Should be an action pack welterweight bout. No complaints there. Uh, if Randy Brown's 
uh, Randy Brown wins here, he could be looking to get into the top 15. I think Randy Brown is a good fighter. Uh, Muslim Salikov, very good, but getting on the old side, getting a bit inconsistent with his performances. And this is a tricky matchup against someone that is very, very long. So we'll see how that play out, plays out. Shamil Gassiev, that is coming from Contender Series, is fighting Martin Budai. This is a fight between two very large dudes. Uh, Gassiev, the more athletic one with, uh, with the wrestling background, uh, actually pretty good at shooting to the legs. So that would be interesting for Budai. Budai is like this consistent grindy guy that uses his size to bully people against the cage, land good knees. Um, solid overall guy. So uh, like probably not the most exciting fight, but it's uh, I think it's good matchmaking. Uh, I, I think Budai probably deserves like fighting ranked opposition at this, at this stage. Maybe he's getting punished for being boring here. Uh, but to be fair, like Budai had a, a cool performance in his last outing beating Josh Parisian. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see if Gassiev can get takedowns. If he cannot get takedowns, can he put his fast hands against a, a decent striker in Budai uh, who's going to put the size on the other dude because both guys are very large. Uh, but I think that Budai is like the, the heavier dude inside the cage. So that would be interesting to see if Gassiev shoots. And if Budai gets taken down, will Budai be able to get back up? I know he has like a, a jiu-jitsu background. And if Gassiev ends up on bottom, like on bottom of a large dude like Budai. So yeah, it's, maybe this fight might be boring, but it's interesting matchmaking. I, I won't complain about it. Andre Philly is fighting Lucas Almeida. This is Lanky Boys striking at featherweight with a chance of Philly taking the wrestling route, but should be very a very good fight. Uh, Almeida, combination kickboxer, likes his touch combos a lot. Uh, Philly, you know, switch dances, the long jabs into the the leg, the the head kicks, S super good double leg. Uh, that that team Alpha Male guillotine is also always present. Ulanbekov versus Durden is about between wrestlers at 125. Uh, very interested to see these guys grapple. And also the striking because Durden is like not like a super good striker, but he's like tough and he has some counter ability, especially off of slip shots. And the bigger hitter here against Ulanbekov that is a lot more cleaner, that like his straight shots, but doesn't have much of a, of a pocket game going on. Uh, and if they wrestle, it should get very interesting, so that's good. Alonso Manifield is fighting Dustin Jacoby. For 205, this is perfectly fine. Uh, you know, guys, I'm a Jacoby fan. And Manifield has been winning me over, especially with those, like, crude fights. So, so yeah, I mean, the winner here should look to fight up in the division for bigger things. And it's a cool matchup between, like, the all-rounder, super athletic guy in many field against Jacoby, that is, like, this is striking specialist after his short uh, kickboxing career. So, so yeah, we have Jacoby being the craftier striker here against many field that is, like, very dangerous, very powerful, and has the wrestling in the back pocket. We have Casey O'Neill against uh, Rihanna Lipsky. Casey O'Neill looking to bounce back after her first career loss against Jennifer Maya, where she looked like super like limited against uh, a super well-rounded opponent. Maya thought she looked great in that fight. 
And, and Lipsky, who has been improving a lot. When Lipsky came first to UFC, I thought not much of her. But her last two performances against JJ Aldridge and Melissa Gato, I think we've seen a lot of improvement in Lipsky, who is pulling like good combinations together, and in the takedown defense has improved a lot. So I'm excited about this one because both girls are are for sure looking for a win urgently here. We had the return of Cody Garbrandt against Brian Kelleher. Uh, both guys are wrestlers with big power. Big power. Obviously, Cody uh, bounced back from a super rough spot in his last fight against uh, Trevin Jones, and not a super clean fight, a sketchy third round where where Cody's. Uh, I don't want to say he got hurt because on rewatch I don't think Cody got like super hurt. I think he has a lot of anxiety of losing again. So when the fight gets sketchy, he starts like panic wrestling, like just moving on the outside, looking a bit desperate. Uh, Cody does not have that confidence anymore to bang it in the pocket. That was one of his best qualities in his prime. Uh, Kelly here coming off two losses here. Uh, two rear naked choke losses to Umar Nurmagomedov and Mario Bautista, both very good fights. Uh, I don't think Cody Garbrandt is going to take the back and get a rear naked choke. Maybe Cody Garbrandt, a, a good grappler, but not much of a submission artist. Uh, Keller here, need, here needs to put himself on the line and start like creating exchanges, making Cody doubt himself and maybe he can win this one. And Keller here has like... Uh, the wrestling to maybe counter Cody if he starts panic wrestling if things get ugly so it's a it's an interesting fight. Uh, overall should be a bad a very bad matchup for Kelleher but who knows where, where Cody is right now. Irene Aldana is fighting Carol Hosa. This is a, one of the few like fun uh, matchups that you can make at 135 and. And yeah, this is cool. Aldana, you know, the kind of more of a boxer with a big left hook. Carol Hosa, more of like a Dutch style combinations uh, striker that likes her leg kicks a lot. So this one should be fun. Uh, I'm all for this fight. Irene Aldana, something to watch is that has a big like height advantage here. Not not that much of a reach advantage, but you know, the, the height also contributes when you play your stance, you get more reach. So... So, but Aldana not much of a like a super long fighter. She can jab well, but she use she mostly wants to like get her counters with both hands and bang up with the left hook. But watch out for Hosa, who also has a left hook, and Hosa is pretty good in the clinch. So, should be a, a fun one. Josh Emmett is filling in to fight Bryce Mitchell. Uh, should be a bad matchup for Bryce, like. Uh, Emmett presents a lot of the, the challenges that Danige brought to the table against Mitchell with with Emmett being even a bigger puncher and a better wrestler, so... So yeah, I mean, and Emmett also like very good cardio, so this one is looks very tough for for Mitchell. But Mitchell has some stuff going, he's a southpaw. Um, he could maybe like get some kicks going against Emmett and Mitchell is tremendous from top position and we have not seen much, if at all, of Emmett. So if for whatever reason they end up on the ground, Mitchell I would expect to have a big advantage. Uh, especially if he can like deny the scrambles and put like Emmett flat on his back. Mitchell can very well win this fight, but it's a rough matchup. Especially because uh, I don't remember who he was. Oh, he was supposed to fight like... 
Oh no, Emmett was supposed to fight Giga Chikatsu. That was the, the original matchup, right? So yeah, Emmett taking kind of a break here because uh, he's been preparing for a Salpo uh, the whole camp. But Mitchell obviously not the striker that Giga is. And Emmett always has the wrestling, so... So yeah, I mean, I, I, I give props to, to Bryce Mitchell here to stepping up for this matchup because it's kind of a rough one for him, but you know, he has that... I gotta give him to him. He has that winner mentality. He he believes in himself, and if he wins here, that's a big statement. Vicente Luque is fighting Ian Gary. Uh, not a big fan of this one because I don't think Vicente Luque has been looking any good lately. Uh, had his fear, like first two losses streak, uh, which included that brutal knockout uh, at the hands of Jeff Neal, and I don't think Luque looked like any great against Rafael dos Anjos in his last fight. I think he looks smart, but uh, phys the physicality of Luque, the, the speed, the power, and the sheen, uh, the reactions, uh, everything didn't look quite right. So I think if, we, if, if this was prime Luque, this would be very interesting because uh, we've seen Gary show that vulnerabilities to inside the pocket, especially getting dropped by Sonkenan. And we know like Luque, in his prime, one of the left hookers ever in the sport. But right now, I'm not sure. I think this... Sh I, I haven't get to the watching tape part of this one, but so before uh, doing my my preview here, I feel like this is a super easy pick for Gary. And it, it only gets more depressing after that because Tony Ferguson is fighting Paddy Pimblett and I think Paddy Pimblett is going to beat Tony Ferguson and that's going to be very sad because uh, Paddy Pimblett is obviously like not bad, but like actually bad. Like he's like fine in the UFC. Uh, Jared Gordon robbery aside, he has won a, a number of fights in the UFC. He's, I'm not against like, oh, Paddy's the worst fighter ever. Not, obviously not. But this is not a fight that Tony Ferguson should be losing in his prime. But Tony Ferguson, five losses in a row and only getting worse quite honestly, so it's going to be sad hours. After that, we have Shabak Brachmanov versus Steven Thompson. And this one is very exciting um, because it would be interesting on the feet. Uh, Rachmanov obviously is super dangerous, super long, but it, it would be cool to see how he deals with a fellow like long guy with big kicks, you know, Steven Thompson. Uh, some things to consider here is that Rachmanov, one of the few guys that is like taller and with more reach than Thompson in the division. But uh, Rachmanov fights more of a, of a like tall stance, while Stephen Thompson more of a wide, shorter stance, uh, more side on. So I'm very interested about seeing how the how the range striking plays. There, uh, Rachmanov not super active about looking for takedowns, but maybe he will here. And from top, Rachmanov should be like the most dangerous guy that that Thompson has faced. Like Burns obviously is like super dangerous grabber, but he had trouble because the takedowns weren't clean. He did not get like Thompson in like super compromised positions in the ground. I would expect Shavkat, especially with his length, to actually be able to control Wonderboy. So that would be very interesting. I'm favoring Rachmanov before watching tape. And I don't think we it will I change my mind, but but there's there's interesting stuff in this fight. I don't think it is as cruel to Wonder Boy as people think. I think it's 
maybe Wonder Boy can surprise people here. Then we have the co-main event for the flyweight title, uh, Alexandro Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. As I've said before, it's kind of it's kind of lame that they're making Pantoja fight like Royval, like right away. Uh, he fought him like two years ago. Uh, Royval obviously has that three win, three fight winning streak, bouncing back from two losses to Moreno and to Pantoja. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is fair, to be honest, yeah, as, a, as an Apantoja fan, I don't think it is fair that he has to beat this guy twice, he already beat him, they should have given him another challenger, to be quite honest. Um, I think the matchup still favors Pantoja a little bit, but I'm concerned about Pantoja Gastak, even though he showed tremendous heart, fighting tired in that fight against Moreno. Uh, five rounds, but yeah, I mean, Royval, insane cardio, dangerous striker, he has power, he has a submission, so, so yeah, I mean, um, this fight makes me nervous as a Pantoja fan, I think Pantoja can win it again, I mean, he obviously just did it, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't like this, I don't like this rematch, I think it's a bit on the underserved side for Royval, I think when you lose a fight, uh, it's kind of fair for the winner for you to get that fight against because you're like rolling the dice again to see if you win I don't think like Roy Valley should maybe get one more win to be honest And the main event is Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Uh, Covington obviously doesn't deserve the um, Doesn't deserve the title shot to be honest like what has he done? He's like two and two on his last four and his wins are against both retired guys in Tyron Woodley and Jorge Masvidal uh, the losses were to Kamaru Usman, both of them, but both like super convincing. And Edwards is coming off two wins against Kamaru Usman. But it's, it is what it is. It's still kind of interesting. Uh, we'll see how Colby approaches this to put his, his pace, his takedown attempts against uh, Edwards that has looked very solid. But, you know, uh, even in his, like, tremendous performance against Kamaru Usman last time out, um, showing improved ability to keep the center of the cage, and even against the cage, like, using good tactics to stay safe. I think Colby is less dangerous than Usman, less skilled than, than Usman, but uh, he will be a lot more insistent, and that will test the mental game of Leon for sure. And, and you know, like, Leon is not unbreakable mentally. We saw him on the, on the Kamaru Usman, the first, the second, the first fight for the title, their second bout, to kind of check out for most of the fight. And then he pulled out, obviously, the miraculous comeback. But, yeah, I mean, getting into that territory mentally can be tough against Covington. Covington, for all his flaws, he will be very insistent. He will fight to the end to win. And he will recover from sketchy parts of the fight. Covington will not get scared if he gets knocked down, for example. If he loses a few wrestling exchanges, I do not expect Covington. Covington will keep trying and that can be very dangerous. So, yeah, that's one thing that Covington brings to the table that maybe Usman doesn't. Usman obviously tried to pressure on both fights. But the pressure that Usman brings to the table is it's different. It's different. Uh, Covington is more of a pace fighter. And even if the striking is, like, even if he's a lesser striker than Edwards, even if Edwards can defend the takedowns because he defended against a better wrestler in Kamaru, 
is that mental side. Because I don't think even like Covington has like this a better gas tank than Leon necessarily. But he will dog this fight. So that's what makes it uh, interesting, actually. I'm favoring Leon from a skill standpoint, but I would not be surprised if Colby makes this one ugly and make, makes like Leon check out for, for moments. And out of the, that moments, he can bullshit something. Like, I'm not saying like bullshit the scorecards, like just starting to get success. We saw Kobe having success late against Kamaru in the rematch. See, I mean, Kobe, uh, for all his flaws, is super mentally strong inside the cage. He doesn't doubt himself uh, a lot. Even when he, we've seen him like rocked against Usman, he's still like, he has a dog, man. Uh, you, you cannot deny. Like, I'm a Kobe hater, obviously, but he he got to the top of the division, mostly being old people. But he has some good qualities as fighter. He's not complete trash. Uh, you cannot discard him. Uh, and I think this fight is interesting. I think Edwards is going to win, but I think it's an interesting fight. And that's the pay-per-view. I, I never talked so much about the pay-per-view before the full preview, but I just wanted to give you guys some insight. In the meantime, uh, I know the full preview is like super long. This podcast is also so getting long, but it's long in a, in a different way. That It's a lot more detail-oriented. Here is me just like shooting whatever I think. And yeah, that's the podcast, guys. Um, let's, let's wrap this up. La 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 la. Um, what do I do at the end of podcast? What do I do? I think what I do is the, the sponsor part. <laughs> Remember that the Yuri Print Podcast is brought to you by X Marshall, a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the Jiu Jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Martial offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear, and training equipment. Use code THEFIGHTSIDE to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's the fight site, all caps, no spaces. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to their mailing list and follow their socials at X Martial Official in all of them. Thank you, X Martial, for your support. And if you guys want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, remember that you can always support us on patreon.com. Uh, just for $5, you can get access to our Discord server that is super cool and pretty active. And you get access also to our big backlog of exclusive content there. Uh, where you also get early access to video breakdowns. And it's very cool. And you allow us to keep bringing you the content that you enjoy. So if you can help with a few bucks, it's very appreciated. If not, I'm also thankful for everyone that supports this by just like listening to the pod, sharing, liking it on social media. That's all fine, guys. Thank you so much, guys. I'll keep working on the full preview. Hopefully uh, it's coming out later today or maybe tomorrow morning. I don't know, but I'll try to, to get it like early on the week so you guys have time to listen to it because it's a long one. It's a long one. Uh, I'm getting like more and more detail every time in these full previews. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Thank you so much guys for listening and I'll catch you later on the week. It's Fenyo signing out. Bye.